0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: The message of the church is not a message of condemnation to the world. Remember, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world's already condemned. I came into the world to save the world. And so the message of the church is not a message of condemnation to the world. The message of the church is a message of salvation. You can be saved, you can be forgiven your sins can be washed
0: away. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ezekiel chapters 12 through 19. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: So, here we are. Good to be together. And we are in Ezekiel. And we're going to pick up in chapter 12. And we're going to go through chapter 19. So, we're taking some extra chapters. You know, we've been doing five chapters a week. Last week we did six. You know, I mentioned before that the first 24, 25 chapters of Ezekiel are, you know, the the essence of it is judgment and just looking at the judgments that are coming from various angles in a sense. And, you know, there's only so much as, God's people gathered together under these circumstances. There's only so much reading of judgments that that we can endure, I think. So I don't want to, you know, just get bogged down in kind of repeating the same things over and over again, which the prophets did, which in their context obviously was the appropriate thing to do. It was the right thing to do. It was what God led them to do. But I think for us to kind of get bogged down in every verse, it's just, really not going to be helpful, so I want to speed things up here a bit, and so like we've been doing, we're going to kind of look at the, the gist of the chapter, but then we're searching for the nuggets in a sense, you know, some, some of those, those events, some of those portions where there's something that's a- applicable. Or, you know, something that would be of interest in the sense that, oh, yeah, that's an important point. I need, to, I need to understand that. You know, because not everything in particularly the aspects of the Old Testament, not everything is going to be relevant to us. It's a very specific prophecy that was written at a point in history for a very specific reason. And so it's not in any way trying to diminish from the importance of God's word there are just aspects of it that, you know, we we can read that on our own. And we should, uh, as I mentioned before, I recently read through Ezekiel a couple of times just on my own. And I make my way through the Bible all the time on my own. But but to, you know, in a gathering to go through every word or every, every verse or that sort of thing, I don't think that that is always all that helpful. So... That's why we're going to make our way through here a little more selectively. That's the that's the word. So let's do that. So we know from our study thus far, we know that there uh, some of the people, many of the people, have already been exiled to Babylon, and but the the uh, the exile took took place in um, over about a 20-year period of time and three different major movements of people going from Jerusalem under judgment to Babylon. And so now as we pick up in chapter 12, this, this now is going to refer to the final group of people that will be exiled in 586. BC so that that was the time that the the temple was destroyed it was the time that Nebuchadnezzar really you know brought his the full wrath of his army upon uh, Jerusalem but in 606 so 20 years earlier the first group of captives were carried away to Babylon and as i mentioned before Daniel would have been in that initial group that went so so here we're projecting still out from Ezekiel's prophecy, this is still something that's going to happen yet in the future. But what he's prophesying is the events that will happen in 586. So he's talking about this final exile. And uh, there, some say there was another smaller sort of an exile a bit later, and that could be true. So, But let, let's pick up. It says, there, The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. You are living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see, but do not see, and ears to hear, but do not hear, for they are a rebellious people. Therefore, son of man, here's the instruction, pack your belongings for exile, and in the daytime, as they watch, set out and go from where you are to another place. Perhaps they will understand, though they are a rebellious people. So again, remember, we said this before, but uh, the word coming from a lot of people in Babylon is that um, this, this captivity is going to be over really soon and we still have a bunch of people back in Jerusalem and we still have a king on the throne so we're going to go back and everything's going to be fine. What God is telling Ezekiel about is that no that's not actually what's going to happen. What's going to happen is the people remaining in Jerusalem are going to be led into into, uh, exile. And so Ezekiel is acting out what is going to happen when the rest of those in Jerusalem are taken captive into Babylon. And so he just goes on and he tells them to go through this Look at verse five. While they watch, dig through the wall and take your belongings out through it. Put them on your shoulder as they are watching and carry them out at dusk. And then he says this, cover your face so that you cannot see the land for I have made you a sign to the Israelites. So this one additional thing, you're gonna break through the wall, you're gonna have all of your gear, you're going out like an exile, but cover your face. So verse seven, I did as I was commanded. And then look over in verse 10, say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. This prophecy concerns the prince or the king in Jerusalem and all the Israelites who are there, say to them, I am assigned to you. So Ezekiel is to tell them, I'm assigned to you that what I'm doing is a message to you. As I have done, so it will be done to them. They will go into exile as captives. Look at verse 12. The prince among them, and this is a reference to King Zedekiah. So Zedekiah is the last of the kings. And Zedekiah was placed on the throne. Of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar himself. So we have a situation here where Israel is now under Babylonian control, but Zedekiah is what is called a vassal. So you have the suzerain, which is like the the ruler, and then the vassal was a king who ruled under. The greater ruler. So Nebuchadnezzar is what's called the suzerain, and um, now Zedekiah is his vassal. So the prince among them, but here's what's going to happen. The prince among them will put his things on his shoulder at dusk and leave, and a hole will be dug in the wall for him to go through he will cover his face so that he cannot see the land. I will spread my net for him, and he will be caught in my snare. I will bring him to Babylonia, the land of the Chaldeans, but he will not see it, and there he will die. So remember when we studied Jeremiah, not all that long ago. In the 52nd chapter of Jeremiah, we have the story of what happened. So the city is being besieged, Zedekiah and uh, those that are close to him, they sneak through the wall and they escape. They think they're escaping from the king, but they're apprehended on their way. And then they're, they're taken to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar slays the sons of Zedekiah in his presence. And then he puts out his eyes and he takes him to Babylon. So cover his face so he can't see. That's what it's talking about. So he's going to go to Babylon. And the other prophecies said, you will go to Babylon, but you will not see it. So what in the world could that have meant? Who would have known? Nobody would have known. But this is what it meant. And so in the 52nd chapter, as I said, of um, Jeremiah, you can, you can read the, the account as it went down there. So, so this is a prophecy now. So Ezekiel, remember, we pointed this out too. Ezekiel is in Babylon and Jeremiah is in Jerusalem. And these guys are absolutely despised. They are hated by everybody. The, the, the captives in Babylon hate Ezekiel and those still in Jerusalem hate Jeremiah. Why? Because he's telling, they're both telling them things that they don't wanna hear. And they are considered traitors. They are actually considered to be those who are conspiring against Israel with Nebuchadnezzar. And this is oftentimes the position of the prophet. The position of the prophet is he's rejected. You know, Jesus points this out, right? Many uh, times Jesus mentions the fact that the prophets, woe remember Jesus said, woe to you if all people speak well of you. For so they spoke of the false prophets. But blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you. For that's the way they treated the real prophets. And and that's the way it goes. Now, one last thing just to remember. The prophets, their primary prophecy ministry was to their own people. They, Although they did prophesy about the other nations occasionally, Jeremiah had a lengthy prophecy about the surrounding nations and what God would do with them. And Isaiah prophesied regarding Babylon in the future. And Ezekiel is going to prophesy about a, a number of other nations here. But the vast majority of their prophecies were to their own people. So a prophet speaks primarily to their own people. And so even in the church today, you think, you know, we, we, some people think of prophets in the church today rising up and speaking to the world. And, you know, not to say that there aren't things, you know, maybe that we would speak to the world, but, you know, the reality is most of the time the world's not paying any attention. <laughs> they're, they're not in church, <laughs> so they don't know what you're saying. But the prophetic voice is in the church. The prophet is oftentimes the person in the church that's getting everybody mad because they're saying the things that people don't want to hear. So that's a good thing to to keep in mind as well. The, The words of the prophet generally are not all that popular. They're not really accepted because oftentimes it is the prophets telling people something different than what they think or what they want. So, I, you know, I've said this before in other contexts, but I think that, um, you know, the New Testament prophet is different than the Old Testament prophet as well. And the New Testament tells us that those who prophesy uh, speak to people to edify them, to encourage them, and to comfort them. And so a prophetic voice in the church is, is going to be more you know, encouragement to God's people. And although at times it might be a rebuke, but the, it's gonna be more of an encouraging thing. And the message of the church is not a message of condemnation to the world. Remember, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world's already condemned. I came into the world to save the world. And so the message of the church is not a message of condemnation to the world. The message of the church is a message of salvation. You can be saved. You can be forgiven. Your sins can be washed away. As Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. And it's though God was speaking to you through us. And what is he saying? Be reconciled. Be reconciled because God made him who did not know sin Jesus to become sin for us so we could become the righteousness of God in him and that's the message that we bring to the world and so the church is is a voice to the world and again I'm not saying it's not at times you know prophetic in the sense of you know there, there's judgments that are coming and things like that you know that's part of it but our our main message to the world is the message of God's mercy. God is not at the present time putting sin on our account because he did that at the cross. He put our sins on Jesus and he paid the penalty that we owed. So now let's, if we're gonna get to 19, I better hurry up. And move on. So chapter 13. Chapter 13 deals with false prophets. And just look at verse 3. It says, This is what the sovereign Lord says: Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. So the, the thing about the prophets, the false prophets in old testament times, and even those today, if there there would be some today, what is characteristic of them? They follow their own spirit. They're not really hearing from the Lord. They're giving a message out of their own heart, giving a message out of what they think, and so on. So that's the the false prophet. Now, verse 10 says, regarding them, because they lead my people astray, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace, because when a flimsy wall is built, they cover it with whitewash. Therefore, tell those who cover it with whitewash that it is going to fall. So... They say peace, there is no peace. They, they build a wall that's really, as it says, flimsy. It's, it, you can bump into it and you'll knock it over. But they put whitewash on it so you don't notice that. It looks, it looks good. It looks strong. It looks sturdy. But if you could see beneath the whitewash, you would know that it, it's weak, and he's comparing the words of the prophets, the false prophets, to that whitewash wall. It's, it's not gonna sustain you. It's not gonna hold you up. It's not gonna protect you. There's nothing under the surface here. So verse 17 says, Now, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people and prophesy, who prophesy out of their own imagination. So apparently... In Babylon, there were many women who were prophesying as well, falsely. Verse 20, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says I am against your magic charms with which you ensnare people like birds, and I will tear them from your arms, and I will set free the people that you ensnare like birds. Verse 22 Because you disheartened the righteous with your lies when I had brought them no grief and because you encouraged the wicked not to turn from their evil ways and so to save their lives. Therefore, you will no longer see false visions or practice divination. I will save my people from your hands and then you will know that I am the Lord. So the Lord's gonna silence the voice of these false prophets. That's essentially what he's saying. Now, chapter 14 Once again, it goes back to the issue of idolatry there among the people. And so some of the elders, verse 1, of Israel, they came to me and they sat in front of me. So this is, we've seen this before. Ezekiel is there and a group of elders, they come and they sit. So they're wanting to hear what he has to say. Okay, here we are, speak to us. Verse 3, son of man, the Lord says, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? So these men are coming, pretending like, oh, well, we want to hear from the Lord. What does God have to say? But of course, God knows what's actually going on in their hearts. So he tells Ezekiel, why should I say anything to them? They set up their idols in their hearts. And then he goes on to, Describe again the um, the idolatries and the false prophecies and the the sin among them, but I want you to look down in verse twelve, and here in as we get into verse twelve, God is basically saying that Jerusalem is a lost cause, that the people have gone so far in their sin and rebellion, and they're still, let me think about this, you know, the people in the captivity are denying that the captivity is gonna last. Uh, The people in Jerusalem are saying, um, not only are we not going into captivity, but the captives are gonna come back. So they obviously have never even dealt with their sin. They've never addressed their sin. They've never admitted their sin. And maybe you remember we talked last time about, what happens when a person really is genuinely convicted by the Holy Spirit is that they, they load themselves. They, they acknowledge fully their sin. They take full responsibility for it. They cry out to God, have mercy on me. Well, these people have done none of that. And under all of the judgment that's already come, their hearts are still completely hardened. So, verse 12, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, if a country sins against me by unfaithfulness, and I stretch out my hand against it and cut off its food supply and send famine upon it and kill its people and their animals, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they could save only themselves by their righteousness, declares the sovereign Lord. So, what the Lord is saying here, jump down to verse 19. He says, uh, if I send a plague on the land, if I pour out my wrath, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they could neither save son nor daughter. They would only save themselves save themselves. For this, verse 21, is what the sovereign Lord says, how much worse will it be when I send against Jerusalem my four dreadful judgments? So God is just saying that the people, again, it's a lost cause. The people have become so entrenched in their sin that their, their judgment is set. And even if men as righteous, as Noah, Daniel, and Job were to plead with me, it would be to no avail so there's no reversing at this point there 's no reversing of the judgment that 's going to come and of course, this is something that 's happened over and over again uh, throughout history God is shows a pattern historically of of being long-suffering, of enduring through sin and rebellion and wickedness and all of those kinds of things, giving people opportunities. Of course, the greatest example we can find in Scripture is Pharaoh. How many times does God, how many opportunities does God give Pharaoh to repent? Ten, Ten opportunities to turn. But finally, his doom is sealed Not because God wouldn't have had mercy on him, but because Pharaoh never would have turned. And so that's where Jerusalem is at this point. And even men as righteous as Noah, Daniel, and Job could not turn away the judgment that's going to come. That's a point that he's making. But I think it's interesting the three people that he selects. Noah. We know Noah from the ark. And Noah was a righteous man. He, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was righteous in his generation. That's what we're told. Uh, we're told Job was a man uh, who God himself said about Job, uh, there's no one like Job. I have no one like Job. There's no one as righteous as Job.
0: November, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled One Minute Answers to Skeptics Concise Responses to the Top 50 Objections and Questions by Charlie Campbell Learn how to give a defense for the faith in a conversational style and strengthen your own confidence in the existence of God and the reliability of the Word The book One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you